This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus in the Darkest. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by the folks at Crooked Eye Brewing in Hapro, Pennsylvania. They've got the cure for what ails you since 2014. So, Ray. Want to get caught up on some podcasts? I think we need to. We've definitely learned a lot since we've recorded some of these episodes. So to go back, backtrack, and uh, touch up on a few things that we may have missed, forgotten, or maybe made incorrectly is kind of nice to do. Well, the, the Alice Cooper episode has a few things here. Mm-hmm. And uh, first things first, that was episode 32, if you're going back to listen. Alice uh, uh, just announced that members of the original Alice Cooper band, who we discussed in episode 32, who also played on the Breadcrumbs EP, will be performing on his new album. They played a little bit with him on a couple other albums in the last couple of years. It's kind of feeling a little bit like an Alice Cooper band reunion. I think that's what we're going to get. But over those years, haven't some of the members of the original Alice Cooper band also jumped up on on stage with him at various shows. Yeah, we kind of touched yeah. on that in that episode so, about how occasionally they played together uh, yeah. on stage. It's not like they're not friends, so it's kind of cool that they're yeah. doing that and working together because you never know what could happen. I think that's really fantastic. The early stuff is quite different than the older stuff, but to hear those guys together 50-plus years later doing what they always loved doing is kind of remarkable, and the fact that they can still do it well. That's what matters. Yes, it does. Also in that episode, we were telling the tale about Alice Cooper meeting Frank Zappa, and we were talking about Frank's label, Straight Records. (laughs) What a great name for a label from Frank. I know, but here's the funny thing. The actual imprint that was Zappa's thing was called Bizarre. And here's how the whole thing went down. Okay, Zappa was on Verve Records, right? And they screwed up and didn't renew their option in time on his contract. So it gave him some leverage. And what he did was he got them to give him his own deal, which was Bizarre Records. Now, you fast forward through to when he's hooking up with Warner Brothers. They can't just stick Frank Zappa and this cast of characters that he's assembled right onto Warner Brothers proper, right? (laughs) So they came up with the straight label to be part of it. So it was Bizarre straight and that is kind of ironic that it was straight records because you look at all the artists that were on there now the first albums on bizarre were released in 68 and that uh, was from the mothers of invention of course i just say the mothers and assume everybody knows who i'm talking about we're only <laughs> in it for the money which was a great record lumpy gravy for solo uh, which is frank's solo record right and cruising with reuben and the jets was on there but <laughs> it's just a bizarre concept and it really is great and the other thing was, it was Sandy's album is here was the name of the release in 1968 by singer-songwriter Sandra Hurwitz, who later became known as Esra Mohawk. What? Our own Esra Mohawk. And there you go. And that's how that whole thing wow. came together. That whole uh, straight records thing is pretty fascinating. And it shows you how smart Frank Zappa was. Oh, it shows you brilliant. 
what a grasp on the business end he had. Like his and hand, so diverse in yes. his tastes and thinking. The, a perfect example was he helped to discover the persuasions because his love of doo-wop helped to get the persuasions a record deal. That's crazy. And again, his tie with Alice Cooper is absolutely phenomenal. The fact that he signed Alice Cooper Band to his label because he didn't get them is brilliant. And the fact that Frank Zappa didn't get it is even more almost mystifying yes, in a way. Yes, because it seemed like he could conceive and conceptualize <laughs> just about anything. And I wonder if now he said was... to, I wonder if he said to Alice, what the fuck are you guys doing on your side? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to ask him. Or Dweezil. The... Yeah, Dweezil might know or Alice That's might right. know. That's right. Well, the other thing we talked about in the Alice Cooper episode was the death of Glenn Buxton, the lead guitar, original lead guitar back in 1997. And boy, did we really get this one wrong. Just before he turned 50, he died of complications of pneumonia. And apparently he was hanging around with some of his old friends, Michael Bruce and Neil Smith playing some with Richie Scarlett who played with Ace Freely and they did a performance on a morning radio show uh, it says here in Houston in October 97 performed at a club that night had some pain mentioned some pain to people that night his friends urged him to see a doctor but he waited till he got home and then on October 19th his fiance drove him to the hospital near their home in Iowa and he passed away from viral pneumonia and that's what got him. That's just crazy. I did not realize that pneumonia had that power to it. I know that you can get sick and walking pneumonia and things like that, but I didn't but realize. Viral pneumonia can be really nasty, and apparently it just, it, he got it and didn't catch it in time, and it just, it shuts down the organs, I think. Oh. Well, now we know about that, Marcus. And we can jump back to episode 31. Our buddy Vinny G pointed out something, and I think it was one of us not seeing the year right. He wrote on Twitter, this latest episode of Imbalance Histo, at least he got it right, Imbalance Histo on Twitter, <laughs> is depressingly relevant as we lose the greatest rock stars. That whole year was a shitty overall thing. By the way, I thought I'd address a tiny error. Greg Lake actually died after Keith Emerson on December 7th, 2016, not 15, as we said in the episode. So thanks to Vinny G. Thank you for correcting that, For correcting Vinny. us, yeah, on that one. We got a nice review on episode number 27 about Johnny Z. You want to read that from Peter Nervasis from Florida? Yeah, sure. Thank you for the wonderful interview, Ray and Marcus. Great questions, and it brings back memories of growing up as a metal fan. I saw John at the Venom Inc. show when they were in town. I did didn't really chat with him, but I did say hello. He seems like a great guy, and his book sounds like it will be a great read. And yes, his book is a great read, a really fun book. We were lucky this year to get some good books out on rock and roll, Johnny Z's book being one of them, a fun, fun read. And uh, Peter, by the way, is a Philly guy who grew up on Rockers, my old radio show in oh, Philly cool. with the metal Did crowd. not know that. Yeah. He started the page. There's a Facebook page. Oh, for that page. The oh, the crew. Rockers with Ray Coob? Yeah, That's yeah. his. Okay. That's, yeah, he started that. Thanks, Peter. And his life is finally complete because he's living in Florida, and they have Wawa there now. Oh, we got Philly <laughs> with them all the time. We were talking about Roger Waters as part of the episode on The Wall, our pocket podcast on The Wall, which has really gotten great response, and we thank you for checking it out. We were talking about Roger and whether he was part of the bombings, whether he was a kid when the bombings were going on during World War II. Waters was born on September 6, 1943. Five days later, his father volunteered for the Army as a second lieutenant and died at the Battle of Anzi 
Ocasio. The blitz happened in 1940 and 41, so that was before Roger was born. But when he was around as a kid, he saw the bombed-out buildings in the neighborhood he grew up in as a result of the bombings. Uh, oh, and then another one from the Pink Floyd Walk episode. We mentioned the members of the band that played with Roger at the Wall in Berlin for that concert, and they were called the Bleeding Hearts Band. And I don't think it was worth mentioning. I think Rick DeFonso would appreciate that. Absolutely, because we did talk about Rick DeFonso and Cindy Lauper and the Hooters and so many Philly musicians playing at that Wall concert. Boy, a lot of connections there. A lot of connections there. My old friend Pete Fama, who, who I've known since the days when Prism was the sports station. He worked for Prism back in those days. He posted something uh, along lines that says, Hey, Ray, I just listened to your podcast about the explosion of punk. That's episode 29, if you're looking for it. You and Marcus did an outstanding job. I really enjoyed the program. You need to do a few more sequels on the punk new wave thing. Is we will. reading our mind? He is reading our <laughs> mind. We're definitely going to jump into that. I'm glad you mentioned television's debut, Marquee Moon. However, you didn't mention the jam. I saw the jam perform in 1978 at the Tower Theater. The jam were great, and only a few hundred fans were in attendance. Also, I saw the Runaways with Joan Jett at the Hot Club at 21st and South in 78. I was also attending Temple University during the 70s, and I have a CD dub of Elvis Costello's debut performance at that Hot Club, which was broadcast on WMMR December 77. So Pete wants more punk, and he's going to get it. He's definitely going to get it. And we did talk about mentioning the jam, and we were intending to mention the jam and the explosion of punk. But being that they were more in the mod scene, and even though it is part of the punk and totally influenced by the Who and the style and the sound effects, yes, and we were going to talk about. Believe me, I would love to talk about sound effects and all of that because they're great records and influential records as part of my youth. And I know you were a college student, Pete, in the seventies, but I was a young impressionable preteen and teenager in the 70s so it's great to you know i would have loved to have seen the jam at a place like the tower theater in 1978 you are a lucky lucky man for having done so remind me to tell you about it after we do the podcast but somebody gave me a great idea for a follow-up episode to the explosion of punk rock that we definitely need to talk about that and pete i would love a copy of that elvis costello dub Yes, at uh, the Hot Club because I have not seen one around here. I've got I've got Joe Jackson at the main point. I just don't have the Elvis one. One other episode that's been getting great response, especially in France, apparently, is the two episodes on Robert Johnson and the progenitors of the blues. And I really want to thank the guys from the Bucks County Blues Society, Bob Settlin, and my buddy Jeff Simon from the Destroyers for their positive comments about how we did on those. Uh, They gave us some real. They're the guys that you can trust to tell you if you fucked up yeah. or if you got it right. And it was great to hear from them about the Robert Johnson episode. So. No, you're right. And if we fuck up, email us, imbalancehistory at gmail.com. You can hit us on our Facebook page. You can throw it on Twitter. We want to know our mistakes so we can correct them. Again, it's a learning process. It's all part of the podcast here on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. Yeah. Well, it's the holidays, Marcus, and nothing says happy holidays like having a beer with a friend like our friends at Crooked Eye Brewery. We haven't had a holiday pint yet together since we've started the imbalanced history of rock and roll, and Crooked Eye is the perfect place to do it. Right in the heart of Hapro, you can stop by any night for all the fun that is Crooked Eye and the tasty brews. Well, they're the thing that'll keep you coming back. They have some damn good beers. We like them, and they 
keep adding these specialty beers here and there that they spike in with their regulars. And just in time for the holidays, here's the man himself, Paul Mulherin, with a special holiday greeting. Merry Christmas from Crooked Eye Brewery. We're happy to have everyone here in the podcast and uh, the support they're giving us. We just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Crooked Eye Brewery. Serving the cure for what ails you since 2014. When you get a thirst that needs a great brew, make a Crooked Eye. Right here in the heart of Hatboro, a place to have a beer with friends. Happy holidays, and don't forget, the next time you need a pint, make it Crooked Eye. You know, Marcus, we're dropping this pocket podcast update into the uh, week between Christmas and New Year's, and we're wrapping up what has been our first year. I mean, it's, we haven't even been doing this for a whole year yet. No. But in our first year, we've seen so many neat things happening. We've met so many interesting people, and uh, really seeing, especially since we joined Pantheon, we're seeing so many more people from all over the world checking out the podcast. And uh, Pantheon has so many great podcasts on there. Like 25 uh, or 30 now. Yeah. Yeah, they keep growing, yeah. and we're just so happy to be part of it. And things that I don't think you and I thought, we didn't really think of like this, I guess. We weren't thinking about how many people will listen. We just figured we'll do it and see what happens. And and it's happening because, I mean, we're in the t- in the first year that we've been doing this. We're in the top 50 Apple podcasts for music history in America. We've had similar results in places like Great Britain and Canada and Australia. We've had some small countries where we've peaked up into the you know the top of their charts, and mm-hmm. it's been kind of fun to see stuff like that happening. Even like number fifteen in New Zealand oh, yeah. uh, for music history all time. So there's so many neat things. But now we're getting all this other information. I think we're pretty excited to see some of the info we're learning about who you guys are and where you are. That's really fun to see because it's nice to know where people are all over the world listening. And the fact that rock and roll, the big big family tree that is rock and roll, is something that's connecting us all together. Well, okay, look at the big cities that listen to us, okay? Uh, Philadelphia, where we're located, and we have a lot of our friends and family here. Mm -hmm. New York, which you'd expect. Detroit and L.A. And all these cities seem to be seeing the listening in in their areas each month. Salt Lake City, and uh, that could have something to do with Provo. Provo, Spain? No, Utah. Uh, Chicago, uh, Cleveland, Akron area, the Canton area. We've got a lot of people uh, tuning in there. San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. And I still think we're just dipping our toe into the water. Places like Dallas and Atlanta are coming around. That's kind of cool. And what's really been neat is to see the other countries, don't you think, outside of the U.S.? Did you even think about other countries listening to the podcast when we first started? Because I don't think I really did. No, maybe Canada, really. Maybe, figured, yeah, England. maybe maybe England. Canada will get it, or England, because we have Australia. rock and roll history. And I even thought that, but France is now our second biggest international territory. U.S., then France. would love to hear from Canada, our French listeners. And U.K. and Australia, we thank you. But also now we're seeing some things happening in other countries, Marcus, that's just kind of blowing me away, the way that the podcast has taken off in places like the Netherlands and Colombia. Italy. And, and Spain, Sweden. They're shooting up the punk in Sweden. Yeah, the punk and the metal. They're going to wait. Germany and New Sweden Zealand? wants us to do black metal or death metal episodes. Well, we're going to do that. Oh, yeah. Eventually. We're going to get We'll do one guys. with Burzum and all those guys. 
<laughs> and there's been some amazing pops, places that weren't listening to the podcast, like India, Mexico, Israel, Taiwan, and the, the Philippines. Philippines. And when I looked at the list of the towns, because it breaks it down by towns, not just by the big cities, mm -hmm. internationally, Chepso, which is in near, Car it's like right on the river between Wales and England, uh, near Cardiff and Bristol. And there's a lot of people there in Chepstow. Chepstow? I'm not sure how to say it. They'll let us know, hopefully. Yeah. But uh, look at the list of towns, man. Starting hey, with that list hey, of we're the in top. A, we're in a Welsh neighborhood right now. That's recording. right. We're in Balakinwood. That's right. Is that Welsh? Well, yes. right. That is a Yeah, Bala was Balakinwood. Welsh. Well, now we've got other kinship at Chepstow. <laughs> and uh, uh, up there near Vancouver, Delta, the Delta region of Vancouver is listening big time, but suburban Vancouver loves yeah. it. That area is beautiful, too. A lot of water, a lot of green trees. Now, here's Canada what's funny is, you'd expect that. Big city, it's a huge suburb, right? One of the top towns is the town I live in, Doylestown, Pennsylvania. That's crazy. And I know a lot of my friends and family up there are listening, and I thank you all we for that, for supporting the podcast. But it's just surprising to see that. And then Provo. Spain? No, Utah. Oh, yeah. Fresno, which came up in our uh, interview with uh, Chris Schwartz, which is going to mm -hmm. air after the new year. Portland. Oregon or Maine? Oregon. Ah. Dallas and uh, Boardman, Oregon. There's only one Boardman, and it's in Oregon. View California. And Bogota, Colombia shows up on the list of cities, towns that are listening to this podcast. And it's just blowing my mind, dude. I know. Um, it's crazy. We just get in here, and we have fun. We talk about topics that we know about, topics that we've been learning about. We've been doing some neat interviews. And, um, you know, I really like what we're doing, and I'm glad to see that people are enjoying it. We just did the uh, re release of our second episode, our first real episode, A Case for the Beatles Redone, Reimagined, and we just did that. We had a little rock and roll Christmas song fun, and coming up on Monday, Tuesday, actually Tuesday, we'll release it on Tuesday, on New Year's Eve, the uh, final episode of the year, which is our little New Year's Eve party, which we had at Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hapro, which sponsors this podcast. We thank the thank Pauls. you. We thank Jeff. We thank the whole crew there for everything you've done. Thanks for letting us have our crazy imbalance New Year's Eve party at the brewery, and uh, we'll see you all in the new year as well. Well, that's our little po latest pocket podcast update here on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. You having fun here, Marcus? I'm having a great time. It's been a phenomenal first nine, ten months as we wrap up our first year. It's been incredible. Boldly going where no podcast has gone before. <laughs> so we do have the New Year's Eve party this week, and then we're going to have an interview with Chris Schwartz from Rough House Records. Uh, he's also headed up Rough Nation. He's done some amazing things in this business, and I think you're really going to enjoy that as we start the new year on another little episode or two that takes us into places we haven't explored yet. Yeah, and we have some doozies uh, planned, including uh, a look at Quadrophenia. And our we've been talking about an episode about Marvin Gaye for a while, so we're going to do that, and we've got stuff figured out oh, yeah. for the next few weeks going into the new year, but we're always looking for your feedback. All you got to do, if you have an episode idea, is to email it to imbalancehistory at gmail.com or post it on the website, Imbalance history.com there's a place where you can make comments and yeah. stuff there we also have it twitter imbalanced histo give us no the damn ry. ry all i want for christmas twitter is the goddamn ry <laughs> we're gonna have to write a song about that <laughs>
Do a tweet. We'll get Joe the Butcher to produce it. Absolutely. Joe would, maybe. Yeah, he would. And then uh, you can also hit us on our Facebook page, The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. And maybe in 2020, we'll jump up onto Instagram. We just might, if we get enough nerve to take pictures regularly. (laughs) We're too busy reading and recording. That's it. And And producing. producing this podcast. And we thank you for your support. And we wish you a very happy New Year. Enjoy the New Year's Eve party on uh, the 31st. And we'll catch you in the new year. I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus in the Darkest. And we'll catch you in the new year on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.